0: Where Nobody Knows Your Name is recorded in front of nobody. Hello, and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a cheers podcast. I'm John. And I'm James. And, James, we've got a, a yacht of fools today because we're talking about season six, episode 16. 16, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, uh... you, you were taken aback there. This episode, released on the 4th of February, 1988, written by Feef Sutton, directed by Thomas LaFaro. And boy, James, if you like farce,
1: it's got plenty of it. Ooh, gourmet farce. It's a a farcical adventure through the seas. (laughs) A a voyage. That's the word, isn't it? (laughs) It
0: sure is. It's a good one. I quite enjoy this one. And of course, of course, James, and we'll get into this later. This is the first episode I'll be talking about that features Evan Drake. Troy and Barry
1: have both come across him before, but I haven't The man, the myth, the legend, Evan Drake. Yeah. I
0: mean, all the episodes that I've been on so far have like addressed him as, as this myth.
1: <laughs> you thought he was going to be like Vera, just powerful figurehead of an organization that you never see. Like Vera. it? So <laughs> yep. Just like Vera. (laughs) Was she running? (laughs) The Peterson house. (laughs) Fair
0: enough. I tell you what, James, should we kick off with the cold open, which is on land, we can confirm. And cheers. And uh, I like this cold open. It's nice to see Norm, Cliff and Fraser
1: hanging out. I thought you'd like this cold open because they talk a lot about 50s sci-fi and you're quite a fan of the uh, older sci-fi, aren't you? I like some like Pulp Fiction films. Not pulp fiction, just not pulp. But I don't mind pulp fiction.
0: But like the the tacky uh, sci-fi. Yeah, I mean, I, I know you're binging a lot of Star Trek at the moment, James. But Original was the one I always grip watching,
1: even though I'm born mid 90s. Even though I'm I'm near the end of Next Gen, but even though I'm not that far through the franchise, only about a quarter of the way through the whole franchise to date, I have noticed it gets less tacky. <laughs> as it as it goes on
0: wow. well we're, we're talking films that
1: that they've been watching so invasion of the body snatchers have you seen that one james i feel i have it's the one with venus flytraps which pose as people
0: yeah like they're pods and they they
1: hatch them it's kind of it, it's a little bit little shop of horrors as well but kind of a reverse of that it's it's, it's a mccarthyism allegory isn't it
0: well that's the thing uh Fraser kind of ruins everything <laughs> Well he he looks at them with much what is it called highbrow. He has a highbrow take on every lowbrow sci-fi that they want to watch.
1: Yeah. I mean, to be fair, they did choose. And I suppose it's part of the thing of the era where a lot of sci-fi is addressing specific themes or motifs or current affairs, and I think the older it is, the more common they are like that. Well, I think I think that's the thing which like
0: lots of great sci-fi is normally just an allegory for either present-day situations and a way to express them. Like, if you look at, like, Philip K. Dick and all of his writing, it's all just a self-reflection of how bad it is to be a human. Oh, he's, yeah,
1: he's just like, you know what sucks? Life. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be better if I was a robot or maybe not a robot? or are we all robots james that's that's the real allegory i like philip k dick but sometimes i'm i watch watching read something by him and at the end just go phil does it matter just- <laughs> <laughs> I, I always watched
0: a documentary about him like all the way through his writing career he was like a kind of that kind of idea oh he's not very good he's a crazy man <laughs> and he went through like his whole sort of career, kind of being selling, selling all those books with pennies, basically, and having to write lots to earn enough. Oh, yeah, he wrote a huge amount, like a hundred short stories, easily. This probably needs to be fact checked, but I'm pretty sure on the day before the release of Blade Runner, where his the film that uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep is based off, where it was like his first f- kind of recognition as maybe he's actually a good storyteller. He died on the way to it. I think. So he never got to see... He died pretty close to when it
1: aired. Yeah. I remember that, yeah.
0: But he never got to see how popular or how mainstream his vision sort of mm. became in the end.
1: There was a miniseries based on his short stories as well called Electric mm. Dreams, and it only went on for one season, but I quite liked it. That was It was a bit Black mirror wasn't it? It was a bit Black mirror yeah, but more about philosophy than technology. Mm. So very akin to Twilight Zone in that respect, I guess.
0: But also, part of this cold open is kind of the idea that there are only so many stories, and every story is a pretty much allegory for something else.
1: <laughs> I mean, every. They touch on this about how, is it the day the earth stood still? They said it was an mm. allegory for the life of Jesus. Yeah. And uh, Fraser rates it as his uh, favourite one
0: and then says, even better than E.T. But I, I enjoy. Well, I, you can see how much I enjoyed that cold open because we've talked. Oh, yeah. Really like we've just been in a tangent about it. But. <laughs> That's pretty much what Frasier does, so much so that Cliff and Norm lose the will to watch any of the films that Cliff's brought. Yeah, they flip back to a programme which Norm had described as
1: like, this must be what TV's like after you've died. (laughs) (laughs) It's like watching paint dry. I've just realised something. The Joy of Painting by Bob Ross is just watching paint dry, (laughs) but it's very entertaining. (laughs) Is that your revelation for the episode? Yep. I mean... Every day's a school day. and <laughs> Well, with that in mind,
0: should we head into the, the main part of this episode, James, and see what lessons we can pick up? Yes. When we enter the bar, we see uh, Mr. Evan Drake. He's, he's in cheers and he's, I don't know, he's, he seems to be not not really doing much in the bar. No, he's there to say, I'm on a boat soon. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he pretty much leaves. But before he leaves, he invites Sam to come on the boat as well. And he uh, tells Sam to bring Rebecca so they can make a romantic evening of it.
1: Because he still thinks they're an item, even though Rebecca likes Evan and Sam likes Rebecca, but none of them are an item. Yeah. Let the farce begin. (laughs) It's not even a love triangle at this point. It's a love parallelogram or something silly.
0: Sam takes Evan Drake up on this offer, thinking that he won't actually have to invite Rebecca.
1: And he calls up
0: someone he's been trying to woo for a few days now to invite them instead. The farce thickens. Mm. Hmm. He thinks Rebecca won't find out about this trip on the boat, but pretty much as soon as he's invited the other person, Rebecca walks through and has seen Evan Drake as he was leaving the, the bar, and he's also invited her, and she's very excited
1: about the trip. Yeah. His plan was just won't tell Rebecca. Mm. That backfired quickly. What ha- well, we've talked about this idea of sitcom logic
0: for in a couple of episodes where what unfolds makes no sense, but you just have to kind of go with it
1: because it's a sitcom. I'll just put, I'll just put my disbelief <laughs> on this washing line right here. That's what I'll do. Just suspend it for it. <laughs> no. Because the outcome of
0: this conundrum is Sam will bring his date named... Julie. Julie. Uh, he'll bring her, but she'll go into the guise of Sam's sister. <sighs> That's just pretend- a awkward. Yeah, and pretend to be his sister for the evening... And Sam will pretend to be going out with Rebecca for the evening in the hopes that Rebecca will go out with Evan Drake by the end of the night and Sam will get with Julie by the end of the night. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Well, it's just a very sort of
1: twisted setup to to put yourself in voluntarily. Just say, Rebecca and I broke up. We're still friends because she's technically my boss. I bought a, another girlfriend. You didn't say I couldn't bring two girls, Evan. <laughs> well, this is the thing as well. Which I <laughs> Loophole. <laughs>
0: Evan Drake never says that he has date backed out or anything. He asked Sam for a romantic evening and told him to bring Rebecca,
1: but didn't have a date himself. So that seems a bit weird as well. He planned it all along. Like that scene in Willy Wonka where there was just enough chairs for everyone. <laughs> what was it in Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Implication? Because of the, the implication.
0: implication. <laughs> Evan Drake's got them at sea. He's like, oh, well... I see some weird stuff going on in this episode, James. <laughs> they won't say no because of the implication. <laughs> but that—that that is kind of what gets what's set up. Julie's there pretending to be Sam's sister. Sam and Rebecca are pretending to be an item. Evan Drake's kind of just there
1: schmoozing. Kind of hosting, but really I feel like it's the chef which does more of the hosting. Evan's just there going, I'm going to have some tasty scotch.
0: Well, I think that's one of the things which Julie picks up on is that Evan Drake has uh, got a lot of wealth.
1: Oh, he's a rich man.
0: And she's going around asking, like, how much this cost? This, this yacht must cost a lot. Calm down, Julie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was unnecessarily
0: angry. Well, I feel like you hit the right tone of what Rebecca kind of says.
1: I wonder what this bread costs.
0: You know, Julie, you seem very concerned with the price of things. Don't you find that a little rude?
1: Well, it's not like I asked him how old he is.
0: What do you think, 45,
1: 50? Don't get me wrong, if I was invited to a yacht by a rich businessman, I would wonder how much things cost, but I wouldn't outright ask. If it was modern day, I'd take a picture and do reverse Google search.
0: (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, James, I don't think anything would stop you from asking how much things cost.
1: Yeah, you're right, I am not a subtle man. I think you'd go in and go, how much was this? How much was that? Oh, that looks expensive. (laughs)
0: And I tell you what, it seems we're on the topic of like, you'd be all over the yacht, you'd also be all over the buffet that comes on. I
1: would be all over the buffet. Because it's a good spread. It is a good spread. I noticed something about it though, which has no relevance to the plot, but it does tell me something about the characters, particularly Evan and Julie. Mm. Well, we knew it about Sam. We didn't... Really know about Rebecca, but we did assume what mm. we can tell from the buffet is that none of them are Jewish. Okay, there's you doing some bit like
0: zooming in, zooming enhance on that screen, James. Is it the lobster and the ham? Oh yes, it's seafood and and ham, which isn't kosher. There you go. You learn something new. It's a very decadent spread when everyone's got a lobster each, and it's a buffet. I could eat a lobster. <laughs> so. It's- that was a really good reply to my sort of thing. That is, you ever had lobster? I no, uh, I don't think not in that kind of way, at least.
1: What way have you had lobster?
0: Like I may have had it in like a dish where it's kind of
1: there's a bit of lobster in it. Oh, or like that. a salad or something.
0: That kind of like I've never had a full lobster where you're like having to crack the shell. I think way. I've had half a lobster, maybe.
1: It's definitely a good portion of a lobster a good portion of lobster. Yeah, I had lobster and snails and wine at uh, this small restaurant in Paris, nice. which is very fancy. Oh-ho. If you're ever in Paris, I recommend going to this place called Lilo, L apostrophe I-L-O-T. Because uh, for what you get, it's very good price. For, for those things that I mentioned, it costs the same price for a slice of pizza and a coffee down the road from the Eiffel Tower. So <laughs> why not? Why not? pay the subway fee to just go to this seafood restaurant, you know? There you go. Surprisingly cheap seafood. (laughs) For Paris, it was surprisingly cheap, you know? All I'm doing is I'm giving out some travel advice, (laughs) you know? That's what we're doing. It's like we're a cultured podcast.
0: That is, yeah, that's very cultured. (laughs) Yeah. Go down this side street and ask for the lobster. You can get half
1: of one. I mean... Don't ask where the other half is. You joke, but that's legit what happened. Cobble, paths and everything. Yeah.
0: Amongst all of this, we get a mention of Sam's brother. Yes, Derek. In a quick passing moment, where um, in the ruse of Julie pretending to be Sam's sister, Sam says uh, that he doesn't really get on with his brother. Then Derek says, Julie, you said he didn't have another brother. And then Sam says, she doesn't, but I do. And then I thought, well, that's plausible. And then Rebecca comes in and then goes... Uh, well, she doesn't, actually, but I do. Well, well, it's not actually his brother. They're just such close friends that Sam likes to think of him as his brother.
1: We just don't have anything in common, that's all. <laughs> Jesus, Rebecca, just... You made I it just, worse.
0: <laughs> that's one of the things which she does a few times in this episode, is she talks a bit too... Like, I mean, it's a character trait, especially when she's around Evan Drake, where she puts her foot in it.
1: Yeah, well, what Sam said, they could theoretically be
0: half-siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But either way, there's a lot of moments like that where there's kind of an awkward back-and-forth
1: in this ruse, and I'm sure that will continue as we go through the episode. I'm sure it will. Yeah, Rebecca sees a social interaction and just goes, I wonder if my foot can fit in that. Oh no! (laughs) I tell you what, Joe James,
0: whilst all this fun's been happening on a yacht, there's still people working at Cheers. Oh yeah. Old Woody Boyd's running the joint. And he's doing a good job until, well, until he finds out it's someone's birthday. Again. People have birthdays, but you need to think, Woody. Well, it's 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 quite a literal uh, depiction of give them an inch and they'll take a mile. Because after one person says it's their birthday, then everyone's birthday in the group. This is one of my favorite pieces of subtle acting that's happened in Cheers so far, which is when Cliff and Norm try to help them out, and Norm goes, "Don't
1: you think it's the slightest bit of a coincidence that those four people happen to have the exact same birthday as Cliff and me?" <laughs> That picture be fine. That was a good moment. I enjoyed that. This kind of goes back to George Went's history as a stage actor, because I think a few actors, cheers, friends, variety of sitcom actors, may come from a single camera or film mm-hmm. background. Whereas George Went, because he was a comedian essentially, mm-hmm. a, you know, sketch comic with from Chicago, what are they called? Second City. Same as Shelley Long. I think he's very adept at these small gestures. Mm. You know, small enough that they're subtle, but large enough that the camera picks them up when it's a, when it's on a stage. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, I just
0: really love that moment. I think it's it's such a nice. I think sometimes when you take some of the big players out of the bar, you get some really some really nice moments with, so sort of, I suppose some of the smaller players like Norm Cliff and Woody, and it, it gives them a chance to shine a bit, especially since Carlo isn't in that scene as well. Because normally she'll dominate those kind of scenes a little bit. They'll, they'll write it as her in charge of
1: the scene, working the scene. Yeah, she is quite the personality, Carla, isn't she? So I really enjoyed that bit. And throughout the episode, we come back and forth to the bar while we're intercutting with this with the scenes on the party boat. How does that sequence wrap, John? How does that B-plot? Well, i tell you what, James. We
0: said when Carla's in a scene uh, with the bar, she takes... Control and she does that in this because Woody says, "Ah, oh, they got me last night, Carla. They tricked me about their birthdays, <laughs> basically." And uh, Carla goes, "Ah, oh, no," and he goes, "Yeah, but I found out because Norman Cliff's birthday was earlier this year." And she goes, "Them guys."
1: And then uh, I think it's fair to say Norman Cliff got very scared very quickly. Oh, they they run away. They run up to Melville's. I think
0: I run out of the bar. But it's kind of one of those moments of I don't need to run faster than Carla. I just need to run faster than you. They do, but they do throw money because Carla goes, you need to pay. Yeah, there's, uh, they, they run out the door and like throw a handful of cash in the air. They could have just paid normally and, and I don't know. They had the cash. She shouts up the stairs, you forgot the tip. And then a, a like, downpour of chain nearly smashes Carla's face. Aggressive. Coins for like shrapnel. And uh, I mean, that's pretty harsh considering you know she's just given birth and they're like throwing change down a flight of stairs. To me, you know, you can either run out the bar or you can pay, but you don't usually do both. (laughs) Who are you, Harry the Hat?
1: But anyway, it's quite a nice little sequence between uh, the main story of the boat. So we go back to the boat and we've seen the initial setup of, hey, Evan, this is Julie. Julie, this is Evan. Julie's my sister. Deal with it. We've seen that. And then they go off to their rooms. And this is where the, would you say, tribulations happen? This is where the troubles start.
0: Yeah, because by this point it's quite obvious to us, the viewer, that Julie's no longer interested in Sam and she's moved on to Evan. But to Rebecca and Sam, they're kind of oblivious to this. And Julie's told Sam she's got a headache. Don't come into my room. And he he's, you know, like he—he he has some weird lines off the back of that, which I think we'll play.
1: No, she's got the kind of headache where you go straight to bed and take a. Her- Couple of sammies every four hours. But he's a bit creepy in this episode. But when isn't he? Sometimes I I was going to say it's it's because of the implication. If you put Sam alone on a not alone, but if you put Sam with a woman that he assumed was going to be a a sexual conquest on a on a boat, is not going to go well, is it?
0: No. What is a, a fairly fairly nice wholesome scene? I say fairly is there's a sequence with Sam and Rebecca in their cabin together. Kind of, uh, Oh, I'd liken it to like a pre's, <laughs> pre drinks. Oh, right. Yeah. Like they're helping each other get ready. They're kind of psyching each other. They do each other's hair, which is lovely. They do, yeah. <laughs> they do each other's hair. They're becoming quite good friends, I would
1: say. Yeah. I've never had anyone help me with my hair before a night out. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but the main point of what I was trying to say is they're, uh, they're quite
0: supportive each of, of each other at this point, which is quite nice. But after Sam sort of psychs Rebecca up a bit for her to go and talk to Evan Drake, she opens the door. And at the exact same time, Julie has also opened the door to go and see Evan Drake. Both of them give the excuse they're going upstairs for some fresh air.
1: All aboard the HMS farce. That's, that's
0: all I'll say. Well, it gets more farcical because this happens not once, not twice, but thrice, James. And on the third time, Evan Drake is there outside of Julie's door. Wearing a nice bathrobe, isn't he? Yeah, he's sort of, yeah, like you could picture him by a fireplace with a pipe.
1: You could, yes. And he'd suit it well with that moustache.
0: <laughs> but with this, Rebecca goes into sort of a downward spiral and freaks out.
1: Yeah, this is true. And she's lying on the bed doubting herself, both in terms of attraction to others, in terms of how attractive others find her, and just her career, because she feels she's prioritised her career and it hasn't got her anywhere. She talks about having uh, children, which is quite big, but she feels she's missed that chance, you know?
0: Well, she, she says almost that she's pined over Evan Drake for so long that she's missed a lot of opportunities as well. Exactly. For, for two years, I think she says. That's
1: a long time to be pining.
0: But Sam, Sam genuinely tries to comfort her.
1: Initially, yes.
0: I would say this is probably the first point so far that i can remember where there's sort of been a spark between the two of them
1: yeah yeah because he comforts her and compliments her and she starts looking at him in in a new light there john and then they start kissing but then there's someone at the door who ruins (laughs) ruins sam's plans (laughs) and i would say
0: he knocks but he does not wait an appropriate amount of time before barging in Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's all right, Evan. Come in. Well, I can't sleep until I get something off my chest. Well, read a book, man, and get back to us about three hours. Go on, Evan. Sam, I got where I am in life because I have always dealt honestly with people I respect.
1: that's great. Can we talk about it in the morning, please? Sam,
0: I try to seduce your sister. Oh, 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 well, that's a, that's a shocker. Um, uh, may- <laughs> maybe we ought to sleep on it. Huh? Please, give me my dear in court, will you? You see, I, well, since my marriage broke up, I have been feeling lonely. Still, a man gets urges. Mm. But I guess I'm just too old-fashioned to think I can find any real happiness that way. Nothing happens, Sam. And I just wanted to explain that to you, so excuse me. And this sort of honesty gets a bit of admiration from Rebecca, and it sort of restores her pining.
1: Yeah, she kind of perceives him as being honest and humble in some regard. Fairly open, I'd say, because he does talk about his... Is it a divorce at this point or just separation? But he's quite open about that. Well, I I think she sees him as quite broken and needs someone. Yeah, which... You know, Tom Skerritt, he's only been in a few episodes of this season so far. It's a little over halfway through, known primarily from Top Gun, but he's coming in and his character development, ooh, look at that. You know, they put a lot into his few appearances, don't they? Yeah, he's given quite a lot to, to do with his
0: role, which is quite good. And also, he's always credited as special appearance by as well, so... He's certainly one of the main people, but should we hear the rest of the cast whilst we're
1: talking about them? So in addition to Tom Skerritt, we've got Dorothy Park as Julie. She also appeared in Stephen King's Golden Tales, Tales from the Dark Side, Hot Shots, Charles in Charge, Full House, 21 Jump Street, Tales from the Crypt, Night Court, Dallas, and many more. Tom Astor as Lorenzo, who made a brief appearance so far as the Yacht Chef who was the one who cooked up this delicious lobster and ham combo. This is his film and TV debut. He also appeared in Family of Spies, Almost Perfect, and Beverly Hills, 90210, ER, House, and many more. I'll tell you, for his film and TV debut, he did a bang up job. C- can I just say, I have this big
0: backstory for Lorenzo's character. Yeah? Because uh, there's no way he's, he's really French. Clearly in Act James, he's a spy undercover. That's what I've assumed. Because he gets introduced, he has a very sort of off French accent.
1: Yes, I don't think Lorenzo is a French name.
0: Well, he has a French accent, I think. (laughs) See, that's what I'm saying. I have this vision that he's a very bad spy and he's undercover, but he's essentially the the smoking gun in this episode. He gets set up, and as you say, James, we haven't seen much of him yet, but just like Hitchcock, Hitchcock said, you say there's a bomb under the table and you say it's going to explode.
1: There's a Lorenzo at the buffet. (laughs) But you don't say when
0: it's going to explode. We know
1: he's going to come back. We could tell. We have Eddie Frierson as a first customer. He has roles in Robo Tech, Castle in the Sky, The Brave Little Toaster, Akira, Dragon Ball, The Return of Dog Tanyan, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Dr. Dolittle, Cowboy Bebop, Chicken Little, Naruto, Wreck It Ralph, Frozen, and many more. Dominic Hoffman as a second customer. He also appeared in V. Crazy Like a Fox, Jaws the Revenge, Sate Elsewhere, Family Matters, Mad About You, The Shield, The Mentalist, Grey's Anatomy, CSI, Goliath, and many more. Phil Perma and Al Rosen are uncredited as Phil and Al. Good roundup of the cast there, James.
0: But as we come to the, the end of this episode, Sam and Rebecca's sort of spark that they had gets interrupted by Evan Drake. Evan Drake leaves to go upstairs. And Rebecca wants to follow him. Sam's still pestering a little bit, but Rebecca says, you've got someone next door who's now alone. Uh, So Sam lets Rebecca go upstairs to just look at the stars.
1: Yeah, go and look at the stars,
0: Rebecca. They're still there. Uh, And then Sam knocks on Julie's door for, I think, the second time? tonight. Yeah,
1: but Julie doesn't answer. No. (coughs) Um, Julie, (laughs) listen, uh, why don't we let bygones be bygones here? Um, You were tempted, I was tempted... But what the hell, we're both consenting adults, huh? I sure hope there's uh, some room in that bunk of yours for me. There isn't. It's the (laughs) bum. The bum under the table. It's Lorenzo wearing nothing but a towel and a frown. But all the plans that have been set up
0: through this episode, James, have all fell through. All the scheme. Who would think this scheme wouldn't work?
1: Surprise! (laughs) What I uh, like is in reaction to... Mm. The Lorenzo reveal, Sam says that he has to stay off boats. He says it to himself, but it's still a nice touch. It's a good callback to so many things. Primarily the first episode of this season, where he crashed his boat. Well, and also when he proposed Diana on a boat. Gotta stay off boats, man. I think he's had lots of bad times on boats. (laughs) Don't worry, Sam can recover. Because Rebecca, after her gazing at the stars, decides to return to bed. Yeah, where she finds an asleep Sam... Or so she thinks. It's Sam doing heavy snoring, and uh, she lies down next to him. Sam puts his arm around her, which, if you moved a lot in your sleep, you might do accidentally, but he is not asleep. That's what the the clincher is there.
0: Yeah, he's pretty persistent with it. Uh, I think she can tell he's awake. And uh, she does get him, though, because she slowly opens the drawer next to her, puts his hand in there. We cut to black and we hear what I can only describe as like a Looney Tunes-esque scream.
1: I would have loved it if it was the Wilhelm scream. That would have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's close
0: to, I, I feel like if, if I was making a, a film now, I would go for this scream rather than the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> I think it could be that iconic. The dance and scream. Yeah, I, th- I feel like, it, you know, it's time for a refresh.
1: But if we open our drawer here, look, it's full of
0: letters. That's because we got trivia time, James.
1: As usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. I'll kick things off.
0: Initially, Cliff is uh, a little bit envious of evan drake uh fraser tries to relieve his anger with uh, a little fact what's the fact that fraser
1: says oh does it, fraser says something along the lines of rich people are often unhappy
0: yeah he says uh, uh rich people are 40 to 50 percent less happy than most of us
1: cliff is dubious but fraser says yeah but yeah well- <laughs> what else are we gonna do you know
0: in this episode, James, we've talked a lot about this buffet. But what are the four items that are mentioned on the buffet? Lobster, crab, caviar, and ham. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. I I, I shouldn't have asked you that. Yeah, I would have known you <laughs> get it all right.
1: I went, ooh,
0: that's not kosher. <laughs>
1: Simple question: What is Julie's job? Uh, she is a dentist or oral hygienist. Yeah, dental hygienist. Yeah.
0: Now, James, we get a little-known fact from Cliff in this episode that he uh, spouts out, but what is his fact, which uh, is probably wrong? That doesn't narrow it down, does it? Join. <laughs> uh... <laughs> do you know, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a clue. Yeah, give me the v- subject. It's a little bit to do with the Revolutionary War and, and recent research into it. Is it to do with muskets? No. Cliff says that the Minutemen were actually the minute men and that the history books are wrong because people were actually a lot smaller those days and then he goes on to say that the knights of the round table were genuine midgets is a quote from the episode i should have got that it's quite a it's quite a memorable thing he's he's off here, isn't he he's gone full-blown crazy
1: (laughs) carla had to pick her mother-in-law up in this episode which explains why she doesn't appear until later in the episode but how does she try to get rid of her in like uh in baggage try to put her on a plane right it's at an airport to quote what she says by pouring her off on harry krishna's how oh, um she's always trying to get rid of her that's the last call at the bar then
0: i tell you what james a good episode i've, I've enjoyed this one i did too I tell you what, if you like buffets and, and things like that, well, we, we do a monthly recipe within our newsletter over at Patreon, so that might be worth checking out if you're interested in making some recipes influenced and inspired by Cheers. Can't promise Lobster will be on it this month,
1: though. I mean, we'll make a delightful uh, non-kosher dish.
0: Whatever whatever is available on that, I'm sure it will be brilliant. So check out our Patreon page for that.
1: Yeah, it, it will be good. Also... You could have a chance to appear in an episode by yourself or even have us shout out your name in every episode of the show. I find all of these exciting opportunities almost (laughs) as exciting as being on a yacht with a buffet.
0: Well, I tell you what, I'm glad you brought it back to the buffet, James, because that is clearly going to be our house special. Lobster, cracked crab, caviar, and hey, ham. Ham. (laughs) The most exciting part of the buffet. I think that will be what we toast. Hey, ham. Woo. This has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast.